exactly as, as you said, Father. You will always do exactly what you said in your word. So, Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise and the honor for these things, Lord. Thank you for being good to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the word uh, amen or amen, you know, I don't know there's a... Uh, proper way to say that uh, I may say it different ways but the uh, very last word of the New Testament is amen and the word amen means so be it uh, and so you know that's kind of after having said the entire 66 books of the Bible the very last word in the Bible is so be it amen uh, and so um, that's a good way to finish it all up right uh, so be it everything that, that has been spoken so be it amen and so we thank the Lord uh, for that, so I really like that particular song there, amen. Uh, well, let's open our, our Bibles to the book of First Peter chapter 5. We're, we're going to start in the second chapter of the last book, so the four books in uh, Lillian B. Yeoman's book on uh, the healing power of God, or his healing power, uh, is called the, the, the promise and a covering. And so um, she starts out here in... Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober. Well, you could preach on that right there for a long time, right? And, and generally speaking, uh, in the context of that, it means be sober-minded, right? But, uh, you know, you could use it being sober uh, as far as physically not being uh, drunk with wine. You know, one of the things about uh, alcohol and drugs and things, you know, the purpose, the reason why people consume those things is because they want their mind altered, right? So a lot of times people say, well, I'd like to have a glass of wine. It helps me relax. You know, even just, you know, you're not going to get drunk from that one glass of wine, but they said it helps me relax. Um, well, can't you relax by the power of God? Can't you relax by the Spirit of God? Can't you be at peace in your own mind without having to have consume something, you know? So, I mean, they're basically using it as a drug, right? Uh, and so, um, you know, for me personally, I, w I don't want anything that messes with my mind, right? I don't want to, I don't want to have to take, you know, um, uh, a glass of alcohol of any kind to make me relax. Well, you know, it helps me relax and I can, you know, be more myself. That's really, that's really the exact opposite, right? Because you are who you are before you drink the alcohol, amen? Uh, and what we need to do as a church, as people of faith, is find out how to be yourself and be relaxed and be at peace by His presence, Amen. And you can do that. Uh, you don't, it's not required to, to have those other things. And so, because I hear people say a lot of reasons and excuses, but what they don't realize is they're just telling off on themselves that they're not people of faith. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, and look, you know, I know some people have to have, you know, medication to sleep. They have to do certain things. I mean, I, I know when we took a, a plane trip um, and to go overseas, first thing this one of the evangelists did is, he ordered one of those, little, you know, get the little bottles of whiskey on the airplane. And, and um, I know when we got married, uh, they offered us champagne. Oh, because we looked like we just got married, right? We had a little sports coat on. She had a pretty dress on, you know, and we're heading somewhere and we look happy, you know, because and, and, none of the other married people look happy, right? Because, you know, they've been, they've been married for weeks, so they're not happy anymore. But, so we looked happy, so obviously we just got married, right? And they were like, yeah, you just wait. <laughs> In fact, when we got married, we had to go down and get the uh, marriage certificate. The lady to her, I don't know why anybody would get married. You know, she's a bitter old woman, you know, and, and a man hater, a man, member of the man haters club. And so, <laughs> but uh, several times they tried, hey, it's free. You know, we're not going to charge you anything for this. No, we don't need it. You know, and we got to the, we got to the place where we're staying 
uh, for the honeymoon, and they had a bottle of champagne on the on the table there because they, you know, when I got the reservation, I told them we were on our honeymoon there, and so congratulations, you know, here's a bottle of alcohol. We it left it we left it unopened, right? Because we don't need alcohol to to be the people that we are. Amen. And I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but it's just. You know, so many times we use that. But then the fellow on the, on the airplane, the, when he got on the airplane, said uh, uh, he ordered a, a, some alcohol. And, he, and he, I guess he probably saw my judgmental eye, you know, looking at him over there, you know. Uh, and he said, I need this to sleep. Now, I didn't say anything, but I thought, liar, you know, you just want to, you just say you like it, right? Say you want it, you know, because uh, you know what I need to sleep? The faith of God. That's how I sleep every night, amen. I don't need, I don't need a fifth of a little bottle of alcohol to sleep. Uh, I sleep just fine, you know. And a lot of times people say, how'd you sleep last night? And I slept great. And that's the same answer every time. I slept great. Uh, and I do. I sleep great every night, you know. <clears throat> we went on a trip, you know. We went to Brandon and different beds, you know. I slept great. Different pillows, I sleep great, right? Um, and so uh, when, when Chris is out of town, I, sometimes I don't even turn the ceiling fan on. I know that people's like, you know, she probably thinks, well, you know, how is that even possible, right? Uh, but um, <clears throat> by faith, right? And so, um, in fact, when I got there, I, the first thing I did was, you know, what's the air conditioner? I turned the air conditioner off, you know. Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> and so that's fine. You know, you do whatever works for you. But uh, I know what works for me is faith. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, be sober. So, I, I, I desire to be sober-minded all the time. Amen. To think clearly. And I know I did uh, many years ago. I took one, um, I took, uh, one um, sleeping pill or not sleeping pill, but one um, pain pill. Uh, and so, uh, and then everything, uh, your mind gets foggy, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> so, you know, in that, um, uh, I, I decided I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I don't like that. So, uh, so, so she continues on here. says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, so I, I wanted to, to just take a, a little side journey here because where it says, uh, be sober, be vigilant, uh, because your adversary, the devil, is a wrong line, walked about seeking whom he devoured, whom resid steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions accomplish, uh, are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And she goes on to say that, that we can choose to yield to the devil or not. Uh, and that's a, one of the greatest statements uh, you know, that I think she made in a whole book because if we can understand that statement that we can choose to yield them or not because it says we have, the, we have the right and the privilege to resist the devil. And, you know, in a lot of people's mentality, that's not true, but biblically it's 100% true. In fact, the reason why it is true, and this is the thing that this doctrine, uh, it's amazing to me that uh, the, the reason it's true is because you as a, as a created being made in the image and likeness of God, have got a sovereign will. That means that your will answers to nobody uh, unless you choose to allow it to answer to somebody, right? I mean, you can choose to answer to your teacher. You can choose to answer to your, to your parents. You can choose to answer to your boss. But you can choose to rebel against any of them, can't you? Uh, and so uh, that concept of a sovereign will in mankind is pervasive from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And every sin that's committed is committed by choice. There's no sins committed by accident, right? Every sin is committed by choice. And every victory is, is, a, is achieved by choice. There's no victories that, that uh, are accidental. Uh, and so 
and, and if you can believe that, see, then, then you can understand that the devil can have no power over you unless you choose to give it to him. Uh, and, you know, there, there are whole groups of the church who, who say mankind does not have a free will. And that has been a doctrine since, uh, what's the fellow's name, Jerry, that, uh, that came up with that doctrine hundreds of years ago? John Calvin. Yeah, Calvin, it's called Calvinism, right? And basically, you don't have a choice. God's already preordained everything you're going to do. He's already decided what you're going to do. And he, he's the one who basically makes you do that because he wound you up. And he said, okay, on this date, they're gonna, I'm going to make him do this. On this date, they're going to make him do that. And this date, I'm going to do that. So you don't really have a choice. You're not making any choices. God's doing that for you. He's already decided that you're going to do that. And the problem with that mentality, of course, it's bonkers, right? Uh, which is a technical word, I know. Uh, but it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't, you know, the reason they say that, I think it's their attempt to understand who God is. You know, they can't understand that God can know everything, exactly what's going to happen without him making sure that it happens, right? Uh, but that's who God is. He knows everything is going to happen, but he's not in there telling you that you're going to do this. He just knows that you're going to do that. Now, if you can't understand it, and I can't understand that, you just have to leave it alone. But instead uh, of leaving it alone, we say, well, therefore, you don't really have a choice. That's just, that doesn't make any, because he said, let us make man in our image. Was he, was he interested in making us look physically just like he looked? If that's so, then how can we all look different? So he couldn't have been talking about our physical being. Now, in general, we look similar to the Lord in the sense that we have arms and legs. He's got arms and legs, and he's got eyes and mouth. And when we, you know, you go through the word of God and find out he hears, right? So he knows he's got ears. So, you know, uh, uh, he probably looks just like us as far as general physical appearance, right? Uh, I'm sure he's prettier than all of us, but, you know, he's generally speaking, he you know, looks like us. But what makes us like him? What makes us like him is he has a free will. Does he answer to anybody? No, he answers to nobody. Well, we have a free will. Do we answer to anybody? We answer to nobody unless we choose to, right? And so we choose, if you're smart, you choose to answer to the Lord, right? You choose to get saved. You choose to allow him to be Lord of your life. But you have to declare that he's Lord of your life. Because if you don't declare he's Lord of your life, that he's not Lord of your life. You are Lord of your life. And that conflict is in, is in our lives a lot, right? And so, if we can understand that concept, um, in fact, uh, the exact quote that she said, if the devil tempts us, we are not required to yield, right? And of course, some people say, well, I couldn't help it. Uh, but, you know, in dealing with the devil, um, <clears throat> in fact, if we go back to, uh, go back to Mark chapter 5. And so, uh, we know this story, right? This is called the story of the Gadarene demoniac. <clears throat> and... Um, but I think it'd be helpful just to kind of read, um, uh, read, read this particular story here. Um, it says here in um, verse 1, Mark chapter 5, verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when they had come in, out of the ship, immediately there met with him, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been... Uh, often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broke into pieces, neither could any tame him. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. So this is the status of the man, right? He's crazy, right? He's possessed with devils. He's hurting himself. He's, he's uh, unnaturally strong, right? Can break chains asunder. Uh, and so, but verse 6, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. 
he's got a legion of devils in him that has fully possessed him. And yet there's still a spark of, of sovereignty in him that when he saw the Son of God, I've got to go worship him. And that's all Jesus needed to know, whether he could be delivered or not. Even though he had no ability in and of himself to get out of his situation, he didn't know how to get out of his situation, he didn't have the spiritual power in and of himself to get out of the situation, he still had the sovereignty enough to go worship the Son of God. And, and that's all Jesus needed to know. Because in dealing with, with demonic forces in people's life, the most important thing you've got to know is what's their will. Do they want to keep the devil or do they want to get rid of the devil? And if they want to keep the devil, and some people do, right? Some people like the devils. They like, they like hanging around devils. Uh, and, you know, and I was, I was going to say, then you can't cast it out. That's not technically true. You could cast it out. Because if, if, uh, um, if you go over to um, Matthew chapter 12, let's see if we can find this here. Um, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 12. Uh, if we can't find it, we'll, we'll find it somewhere else, right? Um, well, well we, know the, we know the story. Uh, it's, uh, oh yeah, here it is, Matthew chapter 12. It says uh, in verse 43, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeketh rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he, is, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto, unto this wicked generation. So, this is, the, this is the reason why you don't want to cast the devil out of somebody who doesn't want to get rid of the devil. Now, sometimes you can't. Sometimes, you know, just if their will is that strong to keep it, you can't override their will, right? But if the demonic spirit is causing harm to other people, you know, you can suppress its operations. And sometimes you can cast it out. Well, how do you know? Well, you don't know unless the Spirit of God tells you. Uh, the, the concern is if you cast the devil out of somebody, and, and let's turn over to Acts chapter 16, I'll, I'll give it. One other piece of information about why, why that, could be, that could happen, that you cast the devil out of somebody even though they don't want it cast out. In um, Acts chapter 16, this is in verse 16, it says, And it came to pass that they went to prayer. A certain damsel, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So she was a fortune teller, right? She could tell certain things. And the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show, us, show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. This did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So what was she doing? She was annoying them, right? Uh, she was annoying. So even though the words sound okay, but she was doing it to mock them, right? She was mocking them. She was being annoyed to them. And what did Paul do the first time she, she did this? They didn't do anything, right? Uh, because w was there a threat to them of any kind? No, there's no threat to them. You know, there was no immediate threat to them. Uh, what, what did she do? What did he do the second day she did this? Nothing, right? But it says eventually she, this, she did many days, right? So we don't know how long many days are. It could have been weeks, right? It could have been, I mean, many days is many, right? It could be. Uh, more than three, but it's, you know, it implies to me that it's a bunch. You know, it could have been a week or two. You know, I don't know how long. It doesn't really matter. But uh, she became such an annoyance to, to Paul 
he cast the devil out of her, right? It said she, it came out of her the very same, uh, the very same hour, right? <clears throat> Did she ask to do this? Did she ask for help? Did she ask to have a devil cast out of her? No. But he cast it out of her. And so, so then she, she could no longer do her job. And of course, that's why they got thrown in jail. You remember they got thrown in jail, right? And then Paul and Silas at midnight singing uh, praises to the Lord. They're singing praises because they just cast this devil out of this woman, right? Uh, and so, but the problem with this is <clears throat> you go back down to, to Matthew chapter 12. The devil's been cast out of her. What, what's the devil going to do? He's going to come back after a while and, and, and whatever this devil is, right? And it's, if you look at the original Greek, it's, it says the python spirit. So it's whatever the spirit of divination, python spirit. That doesn't really give me any more information, you know, but um, it's the python spirit. And so, uh, but that devil's going to come back to her. And if it can get into her, it's going to bring seven more devils with them and make her off seven times worse than she was. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, that'd be a bad thing, right? So that's, that's, reason, that's really the reason why you don't cast the devil out of somebody uh, if they don't want it cast out of them because you can make their situation worse. Amen? And do we want to make their situation worse? No. Uh, we want to we help them. Amen? But if they're going to annoy us and hinder the gospel, we may cast the devil out. So don't mess with us, right? That's basically what it says. Um, and then how that how that turns out is on you, not on us, right? So, um, so uh, in that, so the man, the gathering demoniac, even though he had a legion, right? So that could have been hundreds of of, uh, of uh, devils in him, because remember they they uh, there were two thousand swine, right? And they all were drowned. Well, you know, swine aren't like you know uh, other animals that would just you know oh you're going to die I'm going to die along with you come on boys let's all die together right? Uh, I mean it's they're not necessarily a herd type of animal, right? If they're all killing themselves, I'm sure pigs are actually pretty intelligent, right? I think, didn't you own a pig, right? Smart pig. Uh, and uh, did it talk to a spider too? Oh, that's a different story, right? That's, uh, that's uh, um, what's the name of that show? Uh, Scarlet's, uh, Charlotte's Web? Charlotte, yeah, yeah. Not a true story, right? But anyway, so, so they had 2,000 swine go and kill themselves. So, uh, you know, my opinion is there were at least 2,000 devils in the, manic, the gathering demoniac. That's a lot of devils. And yet, uh, as many devils as that was, and now only one spoke to Jesus, right? We are, led, we are, we are legion. Um, and so, because there's only one in charge at a given time. Uh, but even as, as many devils that, that had consumed this man, he still could go and say, I'm going to worship the Almighty God. They could not stop him from exercising his free will. Now, they had, I'm sure they messed with his mind, you can't get out of this. You're stuck in here forever. Uh, and, and, and he may have agreed with that. He may have believed that, right? Even though it's a lie, he may have believed that. But he saw the Son of God and he had to go worship him. His spirit had to go worship Jesus. And, and, so, and so that was the answer to Jesus is, does this man want free from this? He did. Because, you know, if he didn't want to be free from it, he would have He's like, Phew. he would have been like this woman in Acts 16, just uh, aggravating Jesus. You know, what are you doing, Jesus. If you come to torment us before our time, how many devils said that to Jesus, right? They said those things to him. Uh, and so, but here, uh, uh, with the Gadari demoniac, he, he was free. So, so the thing that's important to know is anytime in dealing with the devil, you are not required to yield to the devil. You do not have to yield to the devil. And the flip side of that, if you can appreciate that, is anytime that you sin, anytime that you've done things wrong, you have to admit, I chose to do that. And if you can live that way, 
See, it makes everything a lot easier to understand. Because it's true, right? Whether you, whether you believe it or not. Now, the Calvinists, they simply don't believe that. They simply believe you have no choice in the matter. And so if you sin, you're yielding to the devil, and God made you yield to the devil. How messed up is that doctrine, right? Because he said, uh, back to 1 Peter, uh, in, first, in verse 9, uh, uh, well, in fact, let's go back and, and just uh, read that there, right? 1 Peter um, <clears throat> Uh, 5 verse 8 and 9 right so we read verse 8 there and then um, get over there verse 9 whom resists steadfast so do you have the capacity to resist steadfast well you do so how is that possible if God's already decided if you're going to yield to that or not that doctrine makes no sense and yet large and usually it's the, the intellectual crowd right his faith crowd go, well, that sounds dumb to me. But the intellectual crowd, right? Brother, Brother Randy calls them the intellectual church. Uh, he said they're the ones who give book reports, you know, and not study anything actually. But uh, the, the ones who believe that, it, it just doesn't make any sense because that's such a fundamental doctrine in the entire word of God that mankind has a free will. It, it, it's pervasive in, how, it, it, in everything. How you receive from the Lord based upon your free will. Whether you get saved or not, based upon your free will. Whether you go to heaven or not, based upon your free will whether you get healed free will right receive any promise of God based on your free will you, I mean everything is based on your free will so so to get that so wrong I mean it's such a basic you know like being able to read uh, you know okay you can't read okay fine right but every other you know 95% of probably 98% of Americans can read at least to some extent right uh, and, and usually it's the people that can read really well come up with these crazy doctrines uh, and so, uh, I don't know. I, I have I have no understanding of that. Um, and so, uh, you know, there there was a story in one of uh, Brother Hagen's uh, visions. In fact, Brother Randy talked about this particular vision this week, uh, where Lord Jesus appeared to Brother Hagen and, and he said, "I'm going to teach you about some things, talk to you about some things, instruct you about some of these doctrines." You know, and I think one of them was related to devils. Uh, in fact, and so Jesus is talking to him about. I think the fivefold ministry and how those work and, and different topics. And, and you can read about this particular vision in, in Brother Haken's book, I Believe in Visions. Uh, and so, but right in the middle of, of Jesus talking with, with uh, Brother Hagen, he said this little demon got in between them and, and put up like a smoke screen to, to block uh, Brother Hagen's uh, view of, of Jesus. And then started saying, yakety yak, yakety yak, yakety yak, just making noise so he couldn't understand what Jesus was saying. Now, the thing I love about Jesus is he's just never moved, right? You remember when, when the epileptic son was, was there and they brought, his dad brought him and then right then talking to him, he just falls down, starts convulsing. Instead of Jesus panicking, he looks at it, so how long has this been going on? You know, the kid's quivering on the ground, you know, in an epileptic fit. And Jesus is like, you know, how's the wife doing? You know, uh, heard you've got a garden planted. How's it coming along? I mean, just kind of chit-chatting with him, right? How long has it been going on since a youth, you know? Uh, and Jesus, he just never gets, he just doesn't, he's not moved, right? He's not moved by circumstances. And so Jesus kept on talking in this vision. He kept on talking, didn't stop, just kept on talking. Now, Brother Hagin could tell he was talking. He could hear that he was saying things, but he couldn't understand it because of this, this demonic spirit. And, and he's just getting frustrated thinking, why isn't Jesus doing something about this devil, right? It, it, it's, it's hindering me hearing from God. It's keeping me from hearing what Jesus is teaching me because, you know, this is good stuff, right? Can you imagine Jesus coming and teaching you a Bible lesson just directly, right? Wouldn't that be nice, right? Uh, we have to get it, you know, through blood, sweat, and tears, you know, by, 
by studying and praying and you know getting it that way and and not that there's anything wrong with it you know uh, it's just it is what it is right but sometimes uh, you know I remember the story after Jesus was resurrected and and I think it was when they was on the road to Emmaus and and he was talking to two fellows and they were asking about you know because they didn't know it was Jesus and it says he started from Moses and went through the Old Testament and, and showed all about himself and I thought man I'd love to have been there he Jesus started from Moses and showed all the prophecies and everything that that was talked about him wouldn't you love to have a copy of that tape right uh, and, and so and you know of course you know uh, I think Luke was a writer of, the, of that particular story he didn't give us all the details he should have given us the details because those have been pretty good details right uh, and so but he gave the entire genealogy of Jesus in, in the earlier part of the book he's like okay that's great but I would rather have had the, the story from Emmaus you know what he told about himself there and so uh, in my opinion right you know whatever you know, I think we're fine with what we got of course but uh, but still when we get to heaven I'm going to ask Jesus for the copy of that tape there uh, and so, so the, this is going on, and uh, Jesus is still talking. The devil's still going yakety yak, yakety yak, uh, and, and and so Brother Hagin just he just gets frustrated, and finally he speaks to the devil, to, to that demonic spirit, and he said uh, something effective. You know, you stop this in the name of Jesus, uh, and he said the devil just kind of went kerplunk, just fell on the ground there, and he said, now you leave and go away and don't come back, and it did. It just left and go, went, went away. And he said, Jesus stopped and, and said these words to Brother Hagin. He said, if you hadn't done something about this, this uh, demonic spirit, he said, I couldn't have done anything about it. Because when, when he said, in the name of Jesus, stop, well, was that the power of Brother Hagin doing that or was that the power of God doing that? Power of God doing that, right? But, but he released the authority, but it's still, we don't have any inherent power, but by using the name of Jesus, he gets all the power that's behind that name, right? And so that's why we're given the name because you know, we don't have any power in ourselves, but if we exercise faith in the name, then the name has power behind it and whatever we declare uh, that's in the will of God by the name of Jesus, it will be done, right? Jesus said, whatever, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. So if you bind it on earth by the name of Jesus, heaven will come down and say, okay, it's bound. Now, you, 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 whatever that thing is, right? And that was kind of a wide open thing. It didn't say specifically devils, but... Uh, it could be situations and circumstances, anything. And whatever you loosen in our, on earth is loosed in heaven. So uh, when we say the name of Jesus, the power of God kicks in because he designed it this way, right? We didn't, we, it's not, this is not something we're making up. This is how authority works, right? I'm declaring that I'm coming this name and that name has all the power that it, and the spirits know that. The spirits know and they will always yield. They will, the, there's no, never a spirit that when the name of Jesus goes forth, you know, unless you're crossing the lines of the will of a man, you know, sometimes that can limit it. But in, in your own life, for, for sure, if you use the name of Jesus, it, every spirit has to yield. Amen. Whether it's spirit of sickness or disease or anything, depression, sadness, it has to yield. And if you know that, because we have a free will uh, and those those devils have a free will, but they are they are still uh, when a greater authority comes in, into conflict with it, they have to yield. Uh, and so they're not made in the image and likeness of God. We are. Uh, and so Jesus said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. Uh, and of course, Brother Hagin said, well, Lord, you know, I, I must have misunderstood you. Um, you said that uh, if I hadn't done something about it, you, you wouldn't do something about that. Which is different, right? No, he said, I said, if you hadn't done something about it, I couldn't have. So couldn't and wouldn't are two separate things, Right wouldn't implies he just decided not to 
right? I, 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 would, I wouldn't do that. You know, it's just something that Jesus decided. But couldn't means he's incapable, uh, right? So if he said, I couldn't do that, it's, it's, he's saying to, to, to uh, Brother Hagin, I, I am incapable, I would have been incapable of intervening in that situation. And of course, you know, we all have this, well, God can do anything. Well, he obviously can't do everything. What can't he do? He can't lie, right? We know one thing he can't do, he can't lie, right? So has he ever lied? No, he's incapable of doing it, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> so, uh, but when it, when it comes to our will, he's incapable of making us do something, right? Now, he can hinder us. If, if our will is going to hurt somebody else, he could hinder that will, right? Block us. That doesn't change our will, right? Every prisoner that's actually guilty in jail even though they're in jail, has their will changed? No. I mean, they're still in jail. I'd have done it again, right? You can't make a prisoner change their will. Now, they might change it if they get born again, you get saved or whatever, or have regret or remorse for doing what they did. They could change their will, but they don't have to change their will just because they're incarcerated. They're not required to change their will. They just have to do their time, right? If they never change their will, if they do their time, they're still going to get out, amen? Uh, if, they, if they meet the requirements for the punishment that they, that they incurred because of their crime, whether they would agree to doing it or not, again, is irrelevant. They've done their time, whether it's a week or a month or a year. If they come out and, and on, the, on walking out the door, they say, would you have done that again? And they said, oh, absolutely. They can't throw them back in jail. Now, if you're trying to get parole, they are going to ask you that question. Would you do it again? Yeah. Well, then, bam, parole denied, right? So, you know, they do want to know that you have some change of heart if they're going to try to shorten your, your sentence. But if you meet the, the qualification of your sentence, there's really nothing that legally, there's nothing they can do. Uh, and so, so, you know, Brother Hagin repeated, you know, like a third time, Lord, I, you know, surely that's not what you said. Surely you said, if, if, if I hadn't done something, you wouldn't have. And, and, you know, of course, this time Jesus was really patient with them. Other times he was not patient with them. He didn't understand, right? Because how many times did Jesus look at the disciples? How is it that you have no understanding? <laughs> so, you know, you got to be careful because, because if he thinks you ought to know or you ought to understand, he will tell you, you should understand this by now. You know, you're, how old are you? You should understand it by now. Amen. You know, when a, when a two-year-old does something wrong, you know, he's like, well, they, they don't really know. But when it's a 20-year-old doing the same thing, uh, you know, they should know, right? Uh, they should know more than a two-year-old knows. So, so finally, uh, Brother Hagin looks at him and says, well, Lord, he said, I, I've read the New Testament through 150 times and some portions of it more than that. He said, if there's anything like that in the word of God, you know, I don't know it. Which is an amazing statement because he's basically saying that ain't in the Bible, Jesus, you know. Uh, and, and he said, uh, he said that Jesus looked at him, kind of smiled. And he said, well, he said, well, son, there's a lot of things in there that you don't know. Uh, and you know, think about that. If you could if you could have read the, the New Testament through 150 times. What would you know? Well, I mean, if you're not, you know, if you're doing it sincerely, right? If you just check mark, you know, you're not really, you're not really uh, uh, understanding any of it. You know, you just check mark, right? But if you're really like Brother Hagen and a good Christian, you want to understand the Word of God, you're reading it as a sincere Christian to know what it says. Uh, and having read it through it, you think you know a few things, right? And, and he, this was not, you know, this was not a realm of area that, you know, it wasn't like Brother Hagin was just like a, a Baptist who never studied about healing or never studied about demonic spirits, you know. He was a full gospel preacher, had been a full gospel preacher for many years. So this was an area that he had done some studying in and, and was interested in. 
And yet, he said, he said if there's anything like that in the New Testament, I don't know it. Uh, and Jesus said, well, you know, there's a lot of things in there you don't know. I think that a lot, because, because I think if I forget that, I would never say that. I'm never going to say that to Jesus. Well, Lord, I, that, that, can't be in, that can't be scriptural, right? Uh, because what, what Brother Hagin said, he said, well, you're, you're going to have to show me that in the word. Because just because you say, just because you're standing here in a vision and I hear you say these words, I can't accept it. And that's, that's a healthy, correct stance to have. You should never believe anything, any vision or any spirit tells you unless you can confirm it in a word. And this was a, an open vision. He could see Jesus face to face, right? Eye, eye to eye. You know, they're going to say bad breath, bad breath, but Jesus isn't going to have bad breath. You know, you might have bad breath, but he's not going to have bad breath. Uh, but he, you know, eye to eye, right? Face to face with Jesus. <clears throat> and, and so... Uh, he says, you know, you, you're going to have to show me that in the word. Um, and, um, uh, and, and so that's healthy, right? And that's appropriate. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that's not how Jesus responded in this particular case. Uh, but that's what he said. I mean, uh, what's that? Yeah. Right, right. And that's essentially uh, what the answer is. Uh, but, but we understand it. And specifically in dealing with the devil, then what's the, what's the answer? Because, you know, some people think we have the power, but not specifically dealing with the devil, that we're going to ask Jesus to do that. But you're, I mean, that's right. You know, the, the power to deal with the devil always comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but, but where do we get that authority? How do we know that we have that? Uh, and, so that and so that's what, what Brother Hagin said. He said, you're going to have to show this to me in the word, and at least two or three witnesses, because the Bible says out of not the two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So that's fair, right? And so Jesus said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better. I'll give you four references, right? <clears throat> and so, uh, so let's turn over to, to Matthew chapter 28. And, uh, and, and actually, I think I may give you five, just because I like this one that would uh, be helpful to understand too. So... <clears throat> So in Matthew 28, of course, this is after the resurrection of Jesus, right? After he obtained that name that's above every name. And it says um, in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them and said, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And that word power there is the Greek word exousia, which means authority. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm really disappointed in the King James translation because it uses the word power uh, in a lot of different places, and it's, it's, it's too common of a word, right? They should have used a more distinct word in this case because they should have used, in this case, all authority. That makes more sense, right? Because that's exactly what he's saying. Sometimes the word power is the Greek word dunamis, which means supernatural miracle work and power, right? And so sometimes you'll find the word power in two verses side by side. One's talking about authority. One's talking about uh, supernatural miracle work and power. And it's helpful to know the distinction, right? So in this case, he's talking specifically about authority. All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Uh, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptized in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command, commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so that's, that's Matthew's version of that. Let's turn over to Mark's version of the same story there. So, he, so Jesus granted us authority, right? So... Over what did he grant us authority? Anything that deals with our lives, right? Uh, and he said here, this is Mark's version, basically the same thing. Uh, he said, go, uh, this is Mark 
16, verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name. Well, what does his name contain? The authority, right? So all authority is be given to me, now go take my name. What my name, uh, his name, that's, that's a sign to the authority that he has now been granted, right? Uh, and so in my name they shall what? Cast out devils. So do we, when we need to cast the devil out or even need to deal with a devil that's, that's just aggravating us, right? You ever had a thought that's just, you know, I, I remember this was many years ago, I got up and just all of a sudden, just kind of out of the blue, you ever had this happen out of the blue? You just mind your own business. All of a sudden, you're a horrible person. You're a terrible person. You're a sorry excuse for a husband. You're a sorry excuse for an employee. You know, you're the worst boss that ever existed. You know, you're a sorry parent. And you, you didn't mind your own, you said nothing to nobody. You just got up and all of these thoughts, you know, about how sorry you are. And that happened to me one time many years ago. Just, you know, and, and you know, a lot of times people will take that and just go, oh, I'm just a terrible person. And they'll yield to that, those thoughts, right? They'll yield to those thoughts. And they get depressed and sad. And they don't even know why. They didn't do anything. Nobody started anything. They just got up and had all these crazy thoughts. And just, just, it just rose up in me. And I just said, shut up. You know, with that level of authority. Shut up. And you know what happened? They all shut up. They quit talking, right? Why? Because that exercise, that authority over those devils that were just trying to do that. They were trying to bring depression and oppression into my life. Uh, and, you know... I'm a child of God. You're not going to oppress me. You're going to tell me I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a child of living, living God. And sometimes you've got to just tell it, shut up, right? Now, I don't say, you know, you don't have to tell your spouse that. You know, that would not be appropriate. But, you know, you can tell the devil that all day long. Uh, and so you don't have to respect the devil. But he said, in my name they shall cast out devils. So when a devil needs to be cast out, is this something that you go and pray and ask the Lord to do for you? Did he say, uh, when there's a devil, you pause, you go to your prayer room, you pray to heaven, you ask the Lord to deal with this devil, and then you wait for him to deal with it. Is that what he says to do? No. Who did he say is supposed to deal with this devil? You are. Right. You cast the devil out by the name of Jesus through the power of God, but you do the casting out. So when Jesus said, I couldn't, why couldn't he? Because he assigned that authority to us. He assigned that authority to, to Brother Hagin. And not just Brother Hagin, but the whole church. But it was in that, in that context of that story, Brother Hagin was the authority. Now, Jesus was the power, but Brother Hagin, because Jesus took his authority and he delivered it to the church. You, it's yours to deal with. Now, things that deal with, with, with heaven, that's still Jesus' realm of authority, right? The devil tries to go up to heaven, attack heaven again. Jesus is like, whatever, get out of here. He's not going to ask us to do that because that's in the realm of his, his uh, area. That's in his area. But if it's in our area, right, devils on the earth, who's responsible for dealing with devils on the earth? We are because Jesus told us, you go and cast them out. So, so that's the first reference right there, right? The, the story after uh, the resurrection when Jesus said, I'm granting you authority, right? And, and this is not, uh, this is not for, for anybody else. And then uh, turn over to, so that was Jesus said that, turn over to Ephesians. Who wrote the book of Ephesians? Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, right? <clears throat> and so Paul said here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, he said, neither give place to the devil. So if the devil is trying to, now the word place there is license, right? If the devil is trying to get, get you to agree 
to do something uh, that would, that's beyond what the Word of God says, he's got to get your permission to do it in your life, right? So how does he do that? Well, in the context of that, you know, he said, if you go back just in the previous verse, it says, be angry in what? Sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So what if you get angry and you do sin? What did you just do? You gave license to the devil, right? So what's the devil trying to do? He's all the time going this right here, trying to find all your buttons. Oh, yeah, they don't like it when the biscuits are burned, right? They don't care if the cake is burned, but the biscuits, you know, so what's he going to do? He's going to go short circuit the stove. He's going to get you to get busy and forget the time and, the, and get you to burn the biscuits so that, so that, you know, probably the husband can get mad and come up and say, you're a sorry excuse for your wife. And what did he just do? He sinned and he opened the door for the devil. Right? He gave place or license to the devil to now come into his, his, uh, his uh, the husband's life and mess it up, right? By giving place, by giving license or approval of the devil to come and operate into him. So whose choice was that to say those words or to do that thing? Well, it was the husband. Did God make him do it? Did the devil make him do it? No, they, he chose to do it, right? He so when you go and, and become angry and sin, whose choice was it? Well, yours. So, so if, if you can give place to the devil, what can you also do? Not give place to the devil, right? Well, whose choice is it to give place to the devil or not? Your choice. I couldn't. If you hadn't done something about it, I could not. Why? Because it's your responsibility in, to deal with the devil in your life, right? And in the lives of those around you, if you're, if you're preaching the gospel to them, right? The, those that want you to help them. Uh, and so, so that was Jesus said that. Paul said that. Let's turn over to, to James. <clears throat> James chapter 4 here. Well, I missed it. I went right by it. I'm going to end up at 1 Peter. James chapter 4 says, in verse 7, uh, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So, uh, submit yourself therefore unto God, and if the devil is bothering you, ask God, and he will cause the devil to flee from you. Is that what it says? No. Who's the responsible person in this verse? If the devil is going to flee, who's responsible to do something? You are, right? What's your responsibility? Resist. So, so if the devil's bothering you, can you resist him? Well, sure, it's a commandment. Is this even a, a suggestion? No, it's a commandment. And so if it says to do it, what does that mean? Number one means you can do it, right? I can't do it. It says you can. So if you say you can't, it's not true. Biblically, it's not true. If you say, I don't want to, well, that's, that's probably true, right? And, and so that's, but it still deals with your will. But if you say you can't, well, that's not true because then, because then, is, is God going to judge us and ask us, did you resist the devil? Because he's going to ask it, did you do what I told you to do? Well, this is one of the things he told us to do. He told us to do this, right? This is his word. So he's going to ask, hey, did you resist the devil? Lord, you know I couldn't do that. I, 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 he was too strong for me. He's going to, but I told you to. If I told you to, that means you can. Because if he, if he told you to and you can't, then he would be unjust to ask if you did that, right? You know, go, go, go cure cancer. Well, how are you going to do that? Can anybody here cure cancer? I mean, naturally speaking, mentally speaking, intellectually speaking, no, no one in here can, can cure cancer. Uh, and so, if I said that's your requirement, he's like, well, I, I got nothing. Well, I mean, how are you going to do that? I can't do that, right? Go move that house. Well, I mean, Johnny could probably figure out how to move a house, but you know, 
us mere mortals would be like, I got nothing, I can't do that, you know? Uh, and so it, it would be unjust for us to, to demand something of you that you couldn't do. It would be unjust of the Lord to, to judge us for something that we just couldn't do. We would ha- not have the ability to do it. So you know he's not, is he unjust? He's not unjust. So if he said to resist, resist the devil, can, then can we do it? Sure, whose responsibility is it to do it? Are we to pray to God if the, if the devil's bothering us? Who's the only one? Is there any prayer to the Lord at all in this verse? No prayer to the Lord at all. But what gives you the power to be able to resist the devil? The Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of God. It's his power. We, we can resist the devil, you know, usually by the name of Jesus. But sometimes we just, no, I'm not doing it. The strength of the Spirit of God. You know, just kind of like, I didn't use the name of Jesus when I told him to shut up. But that's still, you know, that, that's me exercising my free will. I refuse to listen to this anymore. And, you know, the, and the power of God backed that up, right? Uh, because I exercised my free will. But what did he do? He, fl- he fled from me, right? I resisted the devil and he fled. Those, immediately those thoughts stopped. What did he do? He fled. And, and, and Brother Hagin said he used to have this big giant dictionary. Uh, and he said he looked up the word flee in one of those big, you know, like Oxford English dictionaries or whatever. <clears throat> and he said it, it, it means to, to, to run as if in terror. Flee, right? So it didn't mean he'll just kind of sulk away it means he runs like oh it's one of those crazy ones right you know run away run away it's one of those faith people ah and that's what it really means right the devil doesn't he he's more terrified of the church than we'll ever know he's terrified of you exercise and and not just of the potential of you do it but when he when you actually exercise your 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 faith and and the authority of the name of jesus he's terrified and he will run away right run as if in terror and so, uh, who's responsible for this? If you hadn't done something about it, I couldn't have. Why? Because he told us to do it, right? He told you to resist. He told you to cause the devil to flee from you. He, he, he didn't, he, he's not involved in this at all other than he's backing up your choice, right? He's, it's his power that's got your back, right? When you resist, you resist by the power of God, all right? You resist by his name. Uh, and when you do that, the devil's like, I don't, I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with this. I'm gone. Now, can you do that anytime you want to? Anytime you want to, right? Is any prayer required? No prayer required. Any request for heaven need to be made? No request for heaven need to be made. Anytime you choose to do it, you have the right and the authority to do it. And if you don't resist the devil, will the Lord do something about it? He didn't say, resist the devil, but if you don't, I'll come in, I'll come in and, and uh, uh, do it for you. No. So if you choose not to resist the devil, make him a bed, right? Come on in. You can sit right there. I'm sitting over here. You sit over there. I mean, you know, he's going to be there. And until you want him out, he'll stay there. And, and, you know, now, listen, he doesn't like being around people of faith. It makes him uncomfortable. But every now and then he'll still try and do it, right? He'll come sat up beside you until, until you go, I ain't doing that. And you think, oh, man, I'm out of here, you know. But he'll try it every now and then because he's, he's annoying, right? He's a pest. He's a bully. Um, and he will try it, you know, he'll try, you know, but if you continue to resist him, I mean, every time you resist him, he'll run away. He may come back some, because remember when Jesus there at the end of Luke, uh, the book of Luke chapter four, it says after the, all the, all of the uh, temptations in the wilderness, it says he left him for a season. So he never did stop bothering Jesus. Sometimes he'd do it through people, right? Sometimes, you know, devils would be in front of Jesus and speak to him, speak to Jesus directly. So he did, you know, he did try to, to annoy Jesus uh, in that way. Uh, and so 
So that's three, three witnesses so far, right? Out of the mouth of two, three witnesses. Who's responsible for dealing with the devil? Well, we are, right? And then finally, so that was Jesus and Peter, and, or Jesus and Paul and James. Now, now we can go back over to 1 Peter and just finish up with that one particular verse there. <clears throat> be sober, verse 8, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Be sober, uh, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. So, uh, or resist steadfast or resist firm, right? Well, that sounds exactly like James, right? So, so if you're resisting steadfast, uh, what Peter says, according to James, what's going to happen? He's going to flee, right? So when you resist the devil, so there's no temptation that's ever overtaken you right there's no temptations ever overtaken now some people say I, I, I couldn't help it not true you don't want to help it right there's always you know temptation uh, there's always an aspect of, of I mean the reason why it's temptation to begin with is because it's something that you kind of like doing right like eating that last donut I mean you, just, you really like it and, and you know you could talk about all the other dark sins right but I mean is any temptation is a temptation right it deals with your desire uh, to do something that would get you out of the will of God and, you know, if the Lord says, don't eat, you know, but just two donuts, I could eat one more, right? Because if, if, if you had eaten any donuts and the Lord said, well, you, you need to only eat two today, you wouldn't even think about the first two. You're going to get to the second one, finish it, because and, and you're going to be thinking about that third donut, right? You wouldn't even remember the first two. Uh, because you desire, you know, if, if you really have a hard time with donuts, you're going you're, you're, you're to get under pressure at number three, right? Uh, but why? Because of your desire. Because you have desires and, you know, all desires are not bad, right? It's okay, to, it's okay to want to do things, right? It's okay to want a donut. It's okay to want to, to spend time with somebody. It's okay to, you know, want to go and do things. It's, you know, it, it, some Christians act like, you know, Lord, I don't want any desires. No, you know, no desires. But that, that didn't make any sense. He, he gave us a beautiful world to enjoy and people to spend time with and things to do that's, that's fun to do, right? I mean, people act like there's just drudgery in life. Why would God put us here if there's only drudgery in life? Now, he could have just take, left us in heaven, right? There's, you know, there's no trees or sky or, or mountains in heaven. Well, I, I say that. I don't know. I haven't been there, right? Uh, and uh, not even visiting. You know, there's not even a short time, you know. But uh, the stories, I mean, there's a rainbow in heaven. So, I mean, maybe there's clouds because rainbows come from clouds, right? So, I don't know. But I'm not trying to make a doctrinal statement about it. I'm just saying that he put us here. And he gave us all those beautiful things, you know. He, in fact, the Bible says he's given us all things richly to enjoy. Didn't he say that? Uh, and so, so, is it okay to enjoy things? Well, that's a desire, right? But can those desires get out of bounds and get out of the will of God? Sure, right? Is it okay to desire being with a person of the opposite sex? Sure. Is it okay to have a desire to be with every person of the opposite sex? Well, probably not, right? And so, you know, you, get, you do get out of bounds in those things. And so, so those, those, those desires come... And what's your responsibility? You've got to resist. And if you resist, the devil will always leave. Will he always leave? He said he'll always leave, right? Well, he, he doesn't ever leave when I try it. Well, then you ain't really resisting. Because if he said, uh, James said, resist the devil and he'll what? He will. Not he might. Not 50-50. Not sometimes. Not Tuesdays only. He will. So if he will, he will always. And you've got to believe that, right? Because that's what the Word of God says. Faith says, then if I do that, it will happen, right? Doubt says, well, I tried it, it didn't work. Well, then you didn't really resist. 
You faked like you resist. Oh, I'm trying. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, I really, I really tried. You didn't try. Yeah. And, and I could say that because either you didn't try or the word is wrong. Well, which one am I going to go with every day? I'm going to go with, the, with, with you, right? You failed. I mean, the word is never wrong. So now you may have to get some understanding from the Lord. Lord, why, why does that thing right there bother me so much? And probably going to tell you because you like doing it so much. You know? I mean, that's what he's going to tell you, right? Well, I know, Lord, but, you know, uh, you'll have to get some insight from him about how to overcome things. How do you, how do you resist it, right? Uh, and so, but does Peter line up with James? Does James line up with Paul? Does Paul line up with Jesus? They all said the exact same thing. Who's responsible for dealing with the devil? You are. That, so that's why uh, when she said, if the devil tempts us, we are not required to yield. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and if we do yield to him, then, uh, then she goes on and we'll talk about this as, uh, when we come back next week. But if we do yield to the devil, then according to Ephesians chapter four, because see, we live in the new Testament, right? We don't live in the old Testament. Old Testament, you yield the devil cursed, right? Cursed. Well, that's, that's tough, right? But in the new Testament, when you yield to the devil, you give license for him to operate. So it's not quite the same strength as it is in the old Testament, and people say, well, then, you know, then we can sin as much as we want to. Well, you want to give a license to the devil to operate in your life? I mean, you know, you remember when Adam fell, right? She talked a little bit about that. But when Adam fell, how, how old was Adam when he died? Anybody remember? <clears throat> I'm pretty sure it was 930 years, right? If that's not right, you know, you, somebody could tell me. But uh, 930 years. Well, that means he lived after having sinned for like 800 years, right? I think he, I think he had... Um, Cain, or who was older, Cain or Abel? Abel was first. Who's the oldest one? Was Cain first? Uh, we think maybe Cain was first. Uh, but when he had the first child, right? He was, I think he was about 100 years old. Something like that. And so, so he went like 100 years without sin. Uh, and, and of course, we don't, know that, we don't know how long of a time from when he sinned to the time he had the first child, right? So, but, it was, but it was no more than 100 years or so because uh, he had already sinned before he had his first child. So, but that means that at least about 800 years or so, it took, it took the devil about 800 years to figure out how to kill him. Uh, and, you know, so how long is it going to take the devil to figure out how to kill you? If you sin, if you give life to the devil, how long is it going to take him to, to kill you? Well, I don't know. I, do you want to try it? Let's not try it, right? You know, let's just resist and, and go on. Uh, and so is the Lord punishing us when we sin? No, we are giving, it's us in our sovereign will saying, devil, you have a, a license to operate in my life. Maybe only a small area, but you can, I'm giving you a license to operate in my life. Now, can you take that license back and revoke it anytime you want to? Anytime you want. Just repent. Sorry, devil, that license has been revoked. Now, some people will sin and repent, sin and repent every day, right? And so you give a license, take it, you know, give it, take it back, give it, take it back. Well, in that 30 seconds that he's got that license, what do you think he's going to do? Whatever he can, right? So it's better just not live in sin. Amen. But uh, back to, to what... Uh, what Jesus told, told Brother Hagen, he says, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. And so why did Jesus use those words, I couldn't have? Because he's a big believer in his word. He's a big believer. When I set it up this way, that's the way I expect everybody to operate. And I'm not giving anybody a free, you know, get out of jail card, don't do the word card, and it's okay. I'm, I'm, expecting, all, I'm expecting all my people to operate according to my word. And if you choose not to operate according to my word, it's just not my problem, right? And, and that's, he set it up that way, right? That's the way he said, you do this, you deal with the devil. 
And there's nothing in there that says, if you don't, I will. Nothing. So it implies to us that if we don't, he won't. And that means if, he, if we don't, the devil will. So, now, does, does that make sense? Because we looked at four verses, all saying the exact same thing, all perfectly in alignment with, with, the, with the intent and plan of God for the church to operate in the earth, specifically in dealing with demonic forces. And yet, still people say, uh, you don't have a free will. And yet, every one of those are according to your free will, right? You lay hands, you, you, you cast out the devil in my name. In my name, they shall cast out devils. You do it. Well, what if you don't do it? You, you don't have to do it. I mean, you should do it, but you don't have to do it. You don't have to obey the Lord. If he says, go cast a devil out, you don't have to do it. I mean, I say that in a sense from a technical standpoint. You have to do it because he told you to do it, right? If you're smart, you would do it. But technically, you could just not do it, right? Well, Lord, they're ugly. They smell bad, whatever. I mean, you know. Um, and so, uh, so one of the things, if you can get this understanding, that when the Lord established the church, he established it the way that he wanted it established. Fivefold ministry gifts, that's the way he established it, right? Uh, well, I don't want to go to church. Uh, you know, can't, he can't make go to church. Can you be perfected anyway other than yielding to the fivefold ministry gifts? No. Can you not have a pastor in your life and be perfected? No, it's biblically impossible. Well, I can just get it on my own. You'll never get it on your own. You know, because why? Because that's the way the Lord set it up. Amen. So whatever he set up, as we read the word of God, we should read it with the understanding of this is the way that the head of the church has prescribed it for us to operate. And if we choose not to operate this way, it's just not his problem. He's not mad. He, he's not going to double up on you. Well, the devil attack him and I'll attack him behind the devil. I'll pig pile, you know, devil first, and then me second. He's not going to do that. He'll just wait patiently for you to, to straighten up, right? And when you do, he'll be there, right? Well, won't he forgive you? He will forgive you, right? If you just yield to the devil and ask, ask for forgiveness, will he forgive you? Well, he said he would, right? Uh, and so, you know, that, that whole teaching, uh, we spent the whole hour on that teaching, but that, if you can understand that, that, that you are entirely free to never yield to the devil, he can never make you do anything, right? Regardless of what our friend Flip Wilson said, you know, the devil made me do it. He really never made you do it. Uh, and we use those phrases and things like that because we're trying to remove guilt from our lives. We're trying to say, God, you cannot judge me for this circumstance because I couldn't help it. And now you're telling the Lord, the judge of the earth, how he's supposed to judge you. And that's, is that your job? He judges you according to what he's prescribed in his word. And there's no loopholes, right? There's, you know, people think there's loopholes. There's no loopholes in his word, amen? And so, uh, so we have... Four witnesses all saying the exact same thing from four different authors, right? Of course, they're all being, they're all yielding to the Spirit of God, right? They're all, uh, Jesus got it from, from the Father, and the Father gave it to Jesus. Jesus gave it to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gave it to the authors of the, of the Bible. Uh, and so, and really we looked at five authors because Matthew and Mark is telling about the same story, but a little bit of different insight about the same story there. And so, but you've got uh, four or five witnesses all the same thing, all saying the same thing, that you have a free will and you can choose never to yield to the, to the devil ever again. That's a pretty good deal, right? And, and, you know, that would take a lot of pressure off our life because so many times we, we try to find a loophole and say, Lord, it wasn't my fault. And the problem with that is it's in conflict with your spirit because your spirit man knows that you have a free will. Your spirit man desires to be free, right? In Galatians 5.1, the New American Standard Version says that um, it was for freedom's sake that Christ sets you free. Well, he wants you to be free. And to be free, then you don't answer to nobody except for the Lord. Amen. And that, is that a good way to live? 
be a wonderful way to live, amen? So that means you're free to never to be sick. Because, you know, sometimes the devil puts a little symptom in you, not even the, the sickness, but a symptom. Oh, here it comes. The devil's like, thank you. It'll be there Tuesday, right? You know, you just wait, you know. Oh, yeah, I feel it coming on. Well, it's just a symptom, right? Sometimes it's just a symptom. It's not even a real thing. It's just a symptom, right? Because he cast the devil out of some people and they got healed. And so sometimes it's just a demonic symptom. It's not even... Now, you know, of course, the world says, yeah, it's crazy talk, but I didn't write the Bible, you know. But as soon as, as soon as you feel that symptom, you know, first thing is, I ain't having that in Jesus' name. That's resisting the devil, right? Not resisting the devil goes, oh, it's been, you know, I've been waiting for it to come. There it is, you know. <laughs> so, uh, we don't talk like that, but we know people do talk like that, don't you, right? Don't we know people that talk like that? Oh, yeah, here it comes, you know. <clears throat> well, COVID's over, yeah, but the flu's coming up next, you know. Uh, well, there you go, right? Uh, and so, uh, but I'm not living that way, Amen. So let's pray. We'll thank the Lord for, for his word, and we'll pick this up next week. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God, and, Father, we thank you for the authority that you've given to us, that we can choose to resist the devil. And if, if we choose to resist, Father, any operation of the devil, every single time, without exception, he will flee and run away as in terror from us. And so, Father, we thank you that your word is clear. And, and, and Father, not only is your word clear, but we thank you for the Spirit of God who gives us revelation to understand your word. We thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, that, that uh, short teaching right there, you know, if you can get that settled in your heart that it's so, because I didn't say it, the Word of God said it, uh, you can live a life in so much freedom. Amen. I can't help it. You know, I just had to do it. You know, it, it those words would never escape your lips again, right? Uh, and so... Uh, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering and appreciate y'all's faithfulness. Amen. We're, it's getting, it's November almost, right? Be never, November a couple days, getting close to the end of the year. And um, I haven't given y'all an update. Of course, you're just uh, our church here right now. Um, come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. As of right now, um, I haven't checked it lately, but you know, when we did the roof there, um, we had to get the roof redone, which was not part of the original plan for the renovation, but... Um, uh, I think it cost $45,000 to redo, redo the roof, which is actually a pretty good price. Uh, we owe uh, $28,000 on that roof, and we have to get that paid off, I think, by next June or so. Um, and so, and we'll get it paid off only, right? The Lord will provide, and he'll give us the blessing for that. I'm not up here crying and whining about it. I just want you all to know that's, you know, that's the only debt that we have. And, and, um, and if we pay it off by June, we won't have to pay any interest on it. So it's a 12-month or so, same as cash. So, um, but... Um, but the Lord is good, amen? Uh, and so, um, well, that's, that's it for today, right? So don't forget we have prayer a week from Friday, so not this coming Friday, but a week from Friday. And, um, uh, and we'll see you next uh, or Wednesday, right? So, all right, you're dismissed. <laughs>